0: Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we continue with the 13th Perekh of Melachim Bet, where our attention once again turns to the Northern Kingdom. When last we focused on the North, Yehu had wiped out all of Ahav's descendants in the North and was promised as a result a four-generation dynasty. Our Perekh opens with Yehu's son, Jehoahaz. He is king in the North, and he continues to lead the nation astray. Uh, he is leading them astray in the way of Yeruvim, which is to say that he practiced an illicit worship of God. Right, So it's not quite idolatry. There are two poles that we keep seeing uh, with When it comes to the Northern Kingdom, and, and the Northern Kingdom is vacillating between the two poles, some kings follow the ways of Ahav and omri, uh, and that means full out pagan worship, primarily focused on Baal that 's one the, the kind of the, the, more, the, the more negative of the two and then there 's the more moderate path of Yerevum, which is a worship directed towards Hashem, towards God, but through illicit channels. So, for example, they have the golden calves set up in the temples in Dan and Beit El. Those are the two um, poles that we're dealing with. Yehoah is on the more moderate track. And during his reign, as we were told uh, already from the time of Eliyahu, Aram continues to punish the nation and cause them a tremendous amount of suffering as a result of their, uh, even, even their more moderate, uh, form of, of sinning. And the text tells us that Yehoah calls out to Hashem out of desperation, out of pain, out of suffering, and Hashem has mercy and as a result gives the nation some respite from Aram. We are then told that Yehoah dies, and he is succeeded by his son Yoash, or Yehoash. Of course, this is very confusing, as yet again we have kings in the north and the south that are co-regnant with the exact same name. So this is Yoash of the north. He too follows this slightly less wicked path of Yeravim. Um, so, so in a certain respect, the north is on a better track, but it is uh, still far from far, far, far from from perfect. And of course, they're following the way of uh, uh, of Yehu, who started this line, uh, who was extremely adamant about wiping out and and cleaning out the northern kingdom of Baal worship. So again, this is a. a everything is relative, but a a much better trajectory than the the northern kingdom had been on up until this point. And as we see from the the respite uh, that Hashem gives them from Aram, and as we will see uh, yet another victory that is soon to come against Aram, uh, the the northern kingdom seems to be going in the right direction. We learn that Elisha is on his deathbed, and Yoash of the northern kingdom uh, comes to him despondent very broken up and upset uh, uh, about Elisha's imminent death and he cries out avi avi rahavi my father my father the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof these are the same words uh, that uh, are used when Elisha is lamenting Eliyahu uh, Eliyahu's death or his miraculous ascent to heaven and so clearly Yoash demonstrates a recognition that Elisha's loss uh, is a great blow to the Northern Kingdom, and it's a, it's a sign of great respect that he is showing to Elisha uh, to in this moment, a sign of appreciation, and again, reflects more positively on the Northern Kingdom in general. Um, and uh, fortunate for Yawash uh, and the entire Northern Kingdom, Alicia has one more miracle in store and one more lesson in store for them. He tells the king to open up uh, a window and, and to shoot a bow and arrow, uh, shoot, a, shoot a, an arrow, uh, out to the to the east and uh, and he does so, and he says that this is somehow a sign of the fact that the nation that Israel is going to strike aram uh, yet again it's clear that in this time already aram was 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 either once again or uh, still on, in some kind of uh, set level i'm not sure exactly how to calibrate it uh, still um, campaigning against Israel still uh, oppressing Israel in some degree to some measure. And, uh, and this was meant to be a sign that uh, Israel would succeed in driving them back. And then he tells the king to shoot bows and arrow, his bow and arrow yet again, and to shoot arrows, to grab his arrows and to shoot them at the ground. And the king does this, but he only does it three times. And this causes Elisha to get very angry. Uh, and he says that had you shot, uh, that because you only shot three arrows, you're, you're only going to drive away Aram three times. But had you shot all of the arrows, five or six of the arrows, he says, uh, that would have uh, meant that that would have translated into the nation completely driving out and defeating Aram. And so that is the the the, the kind of final message that Elisha delivers uh, before his death. Now, explaining the significance of this moment is actually very challenging because how do we understand the correlation between how many arrows the king would have shot at the ground and and how successful the the nation's going to be at driving back Aram? It's not so clear. You could take, Um, a kind of approach, thinking about this in in a kind of uh, efficacious way, right? That like, um, that in some way, that the ritual um, needed to be done and and completed with all five arrows, and that would have somehow had some, would have triggered some sort of divine response, which would have meant the complete destruction of Aram, but by falling short of it, it, it didn't trigger that kind of... Uh, heavenly response that 's kind of one uh, angle here, another angle is to think about about this psychologically that the king 's lack of enthusiasm to follow alicia 's orders but kind of betrayed some underlying doubt or apathy. Uh, or the like, and uh, as a result of that apathy or or that that lack of uh, fealty to Elisha, uh, that that's the reason why the nation is not going to completely rout the Arameans. Uh, for more on those two approaches, take a look at Rabbi Alex Israel's treatment of the topic in his book, uh, in his discussion on on our parek. Um But I I think you could read the message slightly different, uh, slightly in a slightly different. Uh, from a slightly different angle, let's say. And that is to say that the, the real message was in the chastising. What do I mean by that? Elisha was trying to impress on that the degree to which he listens to the Navi and, and enthusiastically follows the Navi and maximally follows the Navi, that's the degree to which he is going to succeed. So when Elisha told him, shoot arrows at the ground, maximally, he should have shot all of his arrows. He shouldn't have just stopped with, uh, with, with a partial um, uh, you know, only, uh, only three arrows to the ground, right? The most minimal response he, he could have done to Alicia when Alicia tells him to shoot arrows, multiple, was to shoot two. So he shot three, so he did, you know, one above the kind of the minimum he could have done. And Alicia was telling him that <clears throat> that when a Navi tells you to do something, you need to seek to do it ad hassof you need to try to do it until the end you have to try to do it maximally and and i think that that's the the kind of parting message that elisha is trying to give to the king and to and to the nation uh, as he is about to uh to 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 meet the end of his life and with that the part the, the the parak ends and uh and indeed uh the the nation realizes this prophecy this prophecy comes true we're told at the end of the parak that the nation once again is able to uh, a battle against and defeat Aram and to drive them back and, and the nation is even successful in recapturing some of the land that had been lost uh, in previous um, uh, bouts with the uh, with the people of aram that 's pretty much the end of the parak but i I did skip over just one last alicia story, one last miraculous alicia story, a fascinating, very briefly told tale it 's kind of hazy, very terse we 're told that there were some raiders from Moab who were making their. Annual raids into Israel, and they chanced upon a procession which was going to to, 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 to bury someone. it was a funeral procession and the, the procession saw the Moabites coming, and they were they were afraid and so instead of burying this person where he was supposed to be buried, they they threw this person's body into Elisha's burial site into his kever uh, and when the deceased Came in contact with Alicia's bones. Alicia was was had already died. Uh, This this individual was revived and went on living. So it's it's a very strange little story. It's uh it it's it's consistent with a number of things that we know already about Alicia that he had the power to revive people. Uh, it, in a certain way, it, it evokes kind of Eliyahu's end, right? Both Eliyahu and Elisha don't simply die in the way of all men, but they somehow remain potent and alive in some sense, even after their kind of official passing. <clears throat> but beyond that, the story really remains very very cryptic. Um, and, um, and I kind of leave it for you to consider why this is the, the parting moment, uh, our, our kind of last encounter with Elisha, and, and what exactly... It was meant to 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 offer to us and to teach us uh, about who Alicia really was. But just to kind of conclude and and to just you know tie together what we've seen uh, in terms of the arc of Alicia's life, drawing again here on Rabbi Alex Israel's uh, very beautiful analysis. Uh, it's just it's it's fitting to recognize why Alicia is is passing away, particularly at this point in the national narrative. Alicia came into his position at really the ebb. Uh, at a very low point for the nation, when Ahav and Izevel were in power, and uh, and and he was there to bolster the nation. Elisha's job as a navi was always uh, to try and inspire, was to try to help, to make more food, to make food edible, to 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 be that supportive and not chastising navi, right? And, and as opposed to Eliyahu, who was who was really there to chastise the nation and was fire and brimstone. Elisha was there to try to, to basically ease the nation's pain and suffering. Uh, up until uh, up until this point, and and that, that his entire career really therefore tracks alongside the very worst times in the northern kingdom, times of violence and disloyalty to God, and times of foreign oppression. And now, in this parak, as we've noted, we we have a little bit of an upswing in the north. We're driving back Aram. We have kings of the north calling out to Hashem and displaying honor to the Navi, and uh, and then again dr- driving back Aram uh, once more, and so. Perhaps because uh, things are not quite as dire as they as they were when Alicia uh, came in uh, to serve as the Navi, and and through most of perhaps all of uh, his career in that in that position. Um, So as as things are now improving, so the time has come where Alicia can pass on, and and is not no longer uh, needed to serve in the capacity that he has been serving up until this point, and and as such, we we say goodbye. To Alicia, he's obviously an amazing navi of uh, of epic proportions, a man of incredible miracles, uh, the person who embodied that cold mama daka, that still soft voice uh, that would nurture and comfort and help the nation in their darkest moment, and uh, and uh, he was really there uh, when the nation was at its its lowest point. And again, as the nation now turns forward and and, and starts ha- on a, an upward trajectory, uh, Alicia's career and life comes to an end. That's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz and happy learning.